Hi and welcome to this month's edition of Book Leather Fact, Fiction and Fabulousness. This month we will be reading a title to celebrate Autism Awareness Month, um, so we're going to be reading A Kind of Spark by Ellie McNichol. We'll also be joined by our guest reader this month who will be Mr Kearney who's going to talk about all about books and yeah, brace yourself because he is a very very good for a book recommendation. Okay, so this week's staff reader is Mr. Kearney. Now, I said in the intro that I was very excited that you were coming on the podcast because you are very good with book recommendations it's and pressure. you haven't had, uh, you haven't let me down yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> very, very excited to see what you come up with. Uh, so, first question is, what book are you reading just now? You'll probably not be surprised to hear and think um, you'll not be surprised as well, Miss McLean. It's um, Troy by Stephen Fry. Oh, um, I have a kind of um, love of Greek kind of all the tales in Greek kind of theatre and kind of kind of Greek literature. And this is his third book. So he did um, Mythos mm-hmm. and then he did Heroes. And this is the kind of final book and he's been kind of leading up to this. So I've been kind of saving it on my Kindle to kind of look at. And I know the story so well, but I think it's just kind of rereading it again. And I, I, I was thinking about this before I came on the podcast. I thought I very rarely reread books, mm-hmm. but I think the kind of Greek tales are quite interesting because it is different takes on Mm -hmm. them so it's like looking at them through a different kind of set of eyes or kind of looking at maybe a smaller character story and I think Stephen Fry has a real skill of knowledge of Greek kind of world is there but he kind of makes it very very accessible I'm really enjoying that at the minute yeah I I read Mythos um, I find it really funny just such a different spin and a very modern take on it as well and his great dry sense of humor exactly because he kind of relates it back and I think that's why these tales from thousands of years ago still stand tall because themes and issues and okay some of the things are a little bit mad but thinking about this even before I come on I thought why do I like the Greek thing so much and I think it's to do with this idea of revenge and and unfortunately like, someone kills a stag in the wood and then the next minute they have hundreds of years of revenge in their family I think that's quite interesting but yeah I'm really really enjoying Troy and it's one of these ones where I think I talk about this later on with my favourite book. It's you don't want it to end. You're kind of reading mm-hmm. it and just loving every minute of it. I wonder, could you talk about a book that has changed your life in some way? I find this so difficult because I've always been a reader, but the, actually the book I chose was The Murder of Roger Ackroyd by Agatha Christie. And it was mm-hmm. the reason why I was because I think it was the first book I bought myself. When I was 18, I went travelling in France with my friend and I remember going to the train station and just buying this book. And I remember picking it up and thinking, it wasn't a book that, because I remember how to get into reading, I always got books from my family, or I remember when the book club used to come into school and you'd always, but I don't remember younger, kind of young adult fiction being a thing. It was kind mm-hmm. of like, it just, you either read literature that was kind of accessible, or there was younger books. And I also remember, I was thinking about this, when the book club used to come into school, it would always be books of movies. So it'd be like, I remember buying My Girl. Do you remember the Macaulay oh, Culkin yeah, yeah. thing? But it was like the what, script the on it. Yeah. Yeah. So this was the first book, and I remember buying it, and I remember reading it and thinking, this is, I couldn't, I loved it. I wouldn't really be into crime fiction, but not being a spoiler alert to do with um, this book, but there's this idea that you follow this narrator and then there's a kind of twist at the end. And I remember thinking literature can be so powerful because mm-hmm. you always just felt like, oh, a book's safe. And then I remember finishing this and thinking, I've been fooled by an author. And I thought <laughs> that was really interesting. And I think obviously because I was traveling and first time being away from home. But yeah, it's always kind of stuck with me, The Murder of Audra. I've never really kind of get into the rest of Agatha Christie because I find her writing very scientific and clinical. But I remember The Murder of Roger Ackroyd really thinking fiction can be so powerful and 
can surprise you. So I just love what you said there about the fact that there really was a gap in young adult fiction, yeah. and I think Agatha Christie seems to have filled it for yeah. a lot of, pe- of yeah. people, and it's wonderful to hear it filled it for you. But and I think people are uh, kids are so lucky these days when they have uh, the, the genres, so much, yeah. especially because we just I just never remember that, and I, I do just remember it was whatever movie we were watching, it was like the book of that mm-hmm. which was also badly written because it was just a kind of tie-in with the book anyway. So you were saying that books evoke powerful emotions. Question we've got the last book that made you laugh or cry or, or both. Yeah so I've talked about this before I kind what I tr- try and tend to do now is I try and read fiction and then I try and read something non-fiction because I feel like sometimes you're in the world of fiction you get so involved with the characters it's hard to kind of like shake that off and I always do non-fiction after a fictional book and the first one was the book that made me laugh and it's a book called Dramatic Exchanges and it's a set of letters between people who worked at the National Theatre in London mm. and it's from different decades and people who kind of looked after the National Theatre and it's from actors and it's from designers and it's just it's again that gossipy cattiness of the <laughs> I just find it so funny all the stuff has been released and a lot of the actors are still alive but it's just it's funny seeing these kind of exchanges between people mm-hmm. in that world and I think that's what I really love about non-fiction that you can just get into it very easily because you don't need to have a big grand setup. You don't need to have to kind of get in with the characters and you just really, really enjoy it. Cry, it was Young Mungo, Douglas Stewart. Oh, you yeah. by Douglas Stewart. I just, and I was lucky because I, in a website called NetGalley and it gives you books before they're released. You can do kind of pre-reviews. And I, when, I, when I started, I thought he's kind of ticking the same boxes that he was doing with Shoggy Bain. Mm-hmm. But then again, that's what he knows. And mm-hmm. I think that's what fiction is. But by the end, it just, it was heart-wrenching. I just thought it was, and again, because it takes place in Glasgow, you can kind of visualise it. I just thought it was really, really excellent. And I think, I, I'm not a crier, but I think when a book has that powerful mm-hmm. thing, you've really loved it. I actually couldn't finish um, Shuggy Bane. I just yeah. found it so sad. I am going to try and finish it in the summer, I think, but I do fancy Young Mungo as yeah, well. Yeah, Young, really, young really Mungo's, li- it's, it's, I was going to say it's lighter, but then... <laughs> it's a wonderful kind of concept and again because Douglas Stewart and I talk about this later with a favourite writer he can just write a really good tale Mm -hmm. I think that's what you want from fiction you just want to be in that little bit of that character's life for that little amount of time and just live it with them do you know there's a really good quote from Neil Gaiman and uh, he writes about the hope of every reader that please let it be good (laughs) and that sounds like it definitely took that box Mm -hmm. for you exactly I'd be interested to know what book you give as a gift. Yeah, this is something I always struggle because I remember actually it was a previous uh, member of staff, Camilla Sheridan, I recommended her a book and she despised it and I thought I'm never <laughs> giving a fictional book. Mm-hmm. And what I tend to do is I give Seamus Heaney 100 poems because I'm not a big poetry reader, but I do think just Seamus Heaney is untouchable in terms of poetry. I think there's always a nice poem in there that can match up with everything. A relationship you've had with a parent or thinking about a job or thinking about even just moving house or thing. I think Heaney's just one of these ones who just ticks every box and I think there's always something in there for somebody. And I think he's accessible. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing with Heaney. He's not, there's not this kind of snobbery around his poetry that it's, it's about everyday life. It's, there's a really interesting poem he wrote called, I think it's called The Call, and it's about him ringing up his parents and his mum goes to the garden to fetch his dad to answer the phone and just that little, him thinking about his parents getting older and thinking about the relationship they have them and it's just such a powerful little moment and I think Heaney for me is as good as fiction and it's actually harder because you're squeezing that big tail mm-hmm. into such a small thing. So yeah, mm-hmm. Seamus Heaney, 100 Poems and people get sick of me listening. Like at the back of my room, when, um, unfortunately when he passed away, my dad collected all the kind of newspapers in Ireland of kind of funeral stuff and all. So uh, yeah, he needs for me is just 
really untouchable in terms of and I, I like to kind of gift it to people because I always think there's something there if you're looking for a poem for a wedding mm-hmm. or even for a funeral there's always something in you know because that's the thing when you recommend a book you're trying to think why would the person I'm recommending mm-hmm. it to want to read it and with poetry you've got as you say the summer for everyone well, if there's a hundred you can choose at least one yeah. and you might hit well yeah you're gonna hit the mark at some point <laughs> you <yeah>. don't <laughs> so obviously you're a very keen reader what's your earliest uh, reading memory I think it was my dad reading me kind of Irish myths and legends. Mm-hmm. We had a summer home in Cushendall and there's like a fairy tree and there's like a fairy hill. And I remember, and I, I, I was thinking back, did my dad read it from a book or did he just make it up or did he read it? And then now having a son and reading those stories, because sometimes you're reading really like for three-year-olds and it's like <laughs> shark in the park and then you're trying to open it up. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, did my dad do that? But it was definitely just the idea of the Irish myths and legends. And again, it was something that we would be surrounded by. And I think in Ireland especially, this idea of storytelling. Mm-hmm. And, and I know you did a course on the kind of um, creative writing that was based in kind of Ireland. I think we, we are, you can never shut me up, but I think Irish people love <laughs> to tell tales. and also mm-hmm. add to tales and I guess that's what my dad's I remember having the book about the Irish myths and legends but my dad kind of expanding on that and I think it was definitely an earliest memory but again reading has always been something that it was just always about again from a simple kind of children's book and then kind of expanding on that I love that idea mm-hmm. I feel like we should do that for Shark in the Park oh yeah <laughs> it's funny because Josh was obsessed with Shark in the Park and in our local park in Shawlands someone has now put a shark fin in the middle <laughs> of the pond so it's like the shark in the park but again talking about the, the stuff that he had like the Julie Donaldson stuff mm-hmm. is phenomenal oh, and again I, I, that entrance to reading at such a young age I'm very mm-hmm. lucky that Joshua is into books but you really are kind of spoilt rotten and it is just about the imaginative play that you mm-hmm. can have with those types of books what's his favourite is it Shark in the Park is his favourite or that or the Gruffalo Good and choice. it changes it's, and then he loves Room in the Julie Donaldson has really hit the nail on the head in terms of <laughs> it's just every single thing she does just turns to go the stick man or the one the zog even the dragon and again it's just they're such fun but again it's good for adults because mm-hmm. you're enjoying it as you're reading it and I guess it must be difficult to write a, a book like that and so from your son's favourite book to your favourite yeah, book yeah, I'll yeah I, don't, I don't know if Josh is going to tackle this anytime soon it's 1Q84 by Haruki Murakami mm-hmm. how do you t- pick a favourite book it's like a book you don't remember reading it because you're just enjoying it so much you're just in, and I remember I read it over a Christmas holiday it's a, a big book it's kind of three volumes and then you're thinking what happened very little happens in his kind of Haruki Murakami but he's just very good at set up characters and I just immersing yourself in that world and really really enjoying it but it was it was a, it was a hard one with the favorite book because I think because you get so much from mm-hmm. different books it's hard to kind of pinpoint but definitely the one k84 I just adored it and it's, again you just don't want it to end and I'm a Kindle reader I know that's kind of controversial mm. for some people who think, no, think, no. but you're just looking at that percentage <laughs> go up to 100 and you're just like oh, I just wish I would have more time in this world but yeah anything by Haruki Murakami of love but 1Q84 is definitely a favourite that kind of leads nicely into your favourite writer who who would you say then? I, I, I had to kind of think of and I talked about this earlier whose hands are you safe in and you just you see that book and you kind of look forward to it and it's Stephen King and Kazuo Ishiguro because they just you just know that you're in safe hands. Mm-hmm. You just know that you're going to enjoy it. You're going to love it. And you're never disappointed because they can just tell a good tale. Mm-hmm. And that's all you want with fiction. Do you have a favourite Stephen King book? 
Who would you go? There's so many to choose from. In my head. Oh, yeah, I've got same, same here, same here. My favorite actually was the one that he wrote about the Kennedy assassination, oh. eleven twenty two sixty three, I think it was, and it was a kind of time travel one. And I, I remember reading an interview about it when he it came out, and he said that it was the only book that he had had to do research into because obviously he does a lot mm-hmm. of kind of the sci fi. But yeah, I really enjoyed that, and then. Billy Winters, I think it was called, a recent one. It was about a hitman. Um, but again, he can just cover so Does many genres. Yeah, what can. would be your two favourites? What, right? Um, Misery. Oh, snap. Oh. Is that your Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, because, uh, yeah, I love it. But it's one of the only books that I've, that I've ever read that has made me feel physically sick. And I know that's maybe not a good thing, but it's just, yeah, it can tell a good story, like you said. Oh. Why, what, what, why is it your favourite? I think it's just because it's, it's a sizable, well, it's not a huge novel, but, like, given that, I don't think it gives anything away to say mm-hmm. that it really just there's only a couple of people in it mm-hmm. and it takes the locations mm-hmm. doesn't really change. It's almost like a short story yeah. expanded. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, as you say, you feel like you're in safe hands and it's, yeah. just, it's wonderful. Yeah, it must be such a, it's a skill and I guess it's because and again it's a bit like Kazuo Ishiguro because he's the same. He just can cover so many different genres. They can do fantasy. He wrote one last year, Clara and the Sun, which oh, is kind of yeah. sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And again, it's just it's beautifully written, but. It's not, and again, probably what I was talking about Heaney earlier, it's accessible, mm-hmm. good fiction. And I think that's the kind of thing of like, what is literary fiction and what is what you buy mm-hmm. at the airport fiction? And I think King and Ishiguro do that, that they kind of make really, really good fiction that's also worldwide accessible, which is mm-hmm. something which is so difficult. Yeah, as you say, just a really good story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. I'm just going to finish up by saying, <laughs> see the book you mentioned, the Stephen King, the, about the Kennedy assassination. She's got an English teacher and a librarian in it, so I feel like if, if we just must... need a drama teacher, <laughs> yeah. Then yeah. Exactly. Who are we going to take out? Thank you so much for coming on, Mr. No Kearney. We really enjoyed pleasure. having you on the podcast mm-hmm. and lots of things on my to be read list mm-hmm. now. No problem. Thank you so much. This month's book is A Kind of Spark by Elle McNichol and it's a book that's been out for a couple of mm-hmm. years uh, and I'm really glad that we're, we're reading it for the podcast because this is one of those books I was just blown away by. Yeah, you know my usual is like, oh I love this book. I'm try- I am I spent all of Easter trying to figure out how I'm going to say how much I, I enjoyed it without saying this book is amazing, blah blah. But yeah, I don't think I really knew what, what I was going to get when I read this book. You're obviously very good with a book recommendation so I knew it was going to be good but I to put it mildly, devoured this book in an afternoon. Like, I just couldn't put it down because it was so, so, so compelling and it was just a great story. Really enjoyed it. First thing, what did you think, or how would you sum up in a sentence then? I said it's a book whose spark lights up the ways in which we see each other. So it's probably not telling you very much about (laughs) what the book's about, but I I like the fact that it made you, it just makes you realise how we look at each other and what judgments you might make before you've even understood what someone else might be going through or or understand that they just might see the world differently to you yeah I think for me I kind of just summed up as just a story about the importance of compassion actually kind of leads into what I was thinking about the title like so the title is a kind of spark for me it sparked my thoughts and made me reflect and think about how I view autism and my understanding of it too and understanding of other people's experiences if, if that makes sense mm-hmm. what did you think of the title then i was i was looking over the book again today because i read it a wee while ago so mm-hmm. i wanted to refresh my memory and 
one of the things I liked about the title is that it ties into the main character's love of sharks. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I just enjoyed, and it, there's a, there's lots of uh, information in it about how she, you know she loves reading books about mm-hmm. sharks, and she finds out all these things. And that I didn't know this that sharks mm-hmm. have a sixth sense, to, and you know, so they have the I five didn't know that. <laughs> So their sixth sense is this kind of sensing electricity, mm-hmm. and I like the fact that she uses that in the title because yeah. it's, it's one of those titles that draws you in. You're not quite sure what mm-hmm. it means, and there's just a beautiful moment where you where it all falls into yeah. place, and you think, all oh, right, now I know why yeah. this book is called A Kind of the Spark. Yeah, I think we can characters I know what makes the book so compelling so who was your favorite standout character and why this book was so fixated on family mm-hmm. so a lot I, I was trying to choose between family members yeah. so we of course have Addy who's our main character mm-hmm. and she's got two older sisters mm-hmm. Nina and Kidi and I was trying to decide which one I liked best and I went for Kidi in the end mm-hmm. but it was a tough call because Addy is autistic and her older sister Kidi is mm-hmm. also autistic um, but Kidi's twin sister Nina mm-hmm. is not and a lot of the books about their relationship yeah. and about how we relate to each other. And I just really liked the fact that we had someone who was a bit farther on in their journey, mm-hmm. as a, not as a comparison, but all, as a way of realising it's not just a moment yeah. in time, it's also, and that's what Kidi says at one point, it's like, you know, it's autistic children don't just disappear when yeah. they become adults, they become autistic adults. Mm-hmm. And I liked the fact that they were showing us that in the yeah. book. I also think as well, like, I initially didn't really like Nina. I kind of found her a bit, superficial and a bit a bit kind of false she uh, runs a, a sort of online youtube channel no disrespect to youtubers or or anything like that but she runs a makeup channel and that's kind of all she fixates on and, and things like so i kind of found her a bit shallow but as the book progressed i actually grew to really like her and there's a lot more to her than what meets the eye and i like that we kind of we learn a bit more about her also just i love the fact that Kidi and Nina are twins so different I think Kidi's amazing as well she she was one of my favorites too like I just I thought she was great and I also just think she's just such a good advocate for Addy like she just stands up for Addy she stands up for herself too and I think yeah there's something so admirable about that she's she's great there is and there's a scene at the beginning of the book where Addy can't wait for Kidi to come and she's so mm-hmm. excited when she comes home from university yeah. and she's having dinner with the family and you feel that excited. Yeah, you're like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got that too. But she actually wasn't my standout character, although I loved her and she was great. For me, I really like Mr. Allison, the librarian. Oh, yeah, the librarian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, you know, there's just, I just loved his kindness and the way that the way that he speaks to Addy. There's a part where Addy talks about she hates the kind of mundane conversations. People are like, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. How is your Easter? He just kind of gets straight to it and he's like, I found this book that I think you'll love. And he knows his pupils so well. And I just love the fact that he also stands up for Addy in the most difficult of circumstances. I actually, I actually kind of thought, when I thought of Mr. Allison, I kind of thought he was a bit like you. So when oh. I had, yeah, 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 just, that's how that's how I imagined him, just in terms of his mannerisms and things like that. So I was like, he's very much like Miss oh, McLean. I'll take that as far yeah. to be like Mr. Allison, I'll take that. Yeah. yeah, he's great. Pretty much what every librarian should be, which is, oh. which is good. Do you know, that's so nice as well. That I think as well a book shows you how good it is when it's difficult to choose a mm-hmm. standout character and it's, it's interesting because I know we've overlapped sometimes yeah. with ones but it's I think there was lots of good yeah. ones to choose from there. Mm-hmm. Did you have a, a memorable moment, something that really stood out? Oh, um, lots of memorable moments but the one, I don't want to give too much away but the moment for me is towards the end of the book and it's 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 a really distressing moment where something truly terrible happens to Addie there are pupils in her class at school who are nasty, they don't understand her, they have no compassion, and they, they bully her, essentially. And there's a part where the bullying goes 
too far. And the reason it stands out for me is obviously what happened was was shocking, but what shocked me the most as a teacher was how it was handled. It was just it was handled appallingly, and you know I can't. I, I thought it was good to read from the pupils' perspective and how that made them feel because, you know, if you looked in on that situation, people might just jump to conclusions, but you can you can see why Addie acted the way that she did. But to be treated the way that she was treated after this was really shocking and, and, and horrifying mm-hmm. uh, to me. So it stood out not for not for good reasons, but at least the good thing about it was it's resolved in a, a good way. What was your standout moment? I did think about that one. As you say, it's it's a truly horrible mm-hmm. moment and it does stand out. But I think another moment for me that really stood out is that the kind of the main part of the story is about Addie finding out about mm-hmm. women who were tried as witches mm-hmm. in her like she lives in a wee village just outside Edinburgh and she realises that there's all these women who have been who were different and got punished for being different mm-hmm. hundreds of years ago. She really campaigns throughout the book to yeah. make sure that, that the people in power they say sorry. Yeah, what what baffles me about this actually is the the ca- other characters just like oh it's in the past oh this isn't a nice part of history we don't acknowledge this whereas she calls it what it is you know yes it was a part of history we should be ashamed of it but surely that's why we should say sorry it completely blows my mind that she's the only person that kind of sees this and everyone else is just like oh no 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 that's a horrible part of history we shouldn't remember it but surely because it is such an awful thing that happened that we should I was actually going to pick Addie for a character too because. <laughs> <laughs> Because of that, I love that she stands up for for what she believes in too. Exactly, and she keeps standing up because she keeps getting told, nope, we're not going to have a memorial, we're not going to have a plaque. It's, as you say, it's it's history we don't want to remember. Um, And she just doesn't give up. Yeah. Just keeps going. And I think that takes a lot because Addie's, she's 11, 12 in the book, Mm -hmm. first years. Yeah. And for for knowing that she just does that and don't want to give away the end of the book, but Mm -hmm. she just does not give up on Mm -hmm. it. And I think that was really admirable. And the bits where she's standing out and speaking up for something that's really important even when the experience is really deeply uncomfortable mm-hmm. for her because she finds the stimulation and the sensory overload yeah. a lot to, to handle. So I just thought that was a, a brilliant moment. What about Wildcard? What was your what was your Wildcard um, this month? My Wildcard was was really... I was going to talk about Mr Allison. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I just stole it. But no, no, but I lo- no, I love that because I, I just really wanted to say that it's it's so important to listen to what people... Want and I love mm-hmm. that moment, um, because as you see, he's so instrumental. Then mm-hmm. later on, in standing up for her, putting across a, a, another side mm-hmm. of the story, and I just like that it's reflected because it's. How can I put this? I've read a lot of stories where librarians are not helpful. Uh, mm-hmm. Harry Potter, for example. Yeah. The librarian Irma Pince is mm-hmm. the least helpful librarian I've ever read in fiction, and I remember being very annoyed about it. And then I read an interview with J.K. Rowling where she said, "If I'd put in a helpful librarian." It wouldn't. There wouldn't have been seven books. Yeah, <laughs> and I thought, fair, well, fair enough. Yeah. That's a fair point. Also, I'm just thinking of that name. That name just spells like an unhelpful person. Great use of naming by J.K. Rowling there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it is so good to see a positive role model in the library who is so instrumental in the story in so many kind of subtle, subtle ways as well. Absolutely. And what about you? What was your wildcard? Um, so, well, for me, I was actually learning a bit more about the author. So I read at the back, the author, Elle McNichol, is, uh, is autistic. And so she now lives in London and is it, she's at a university in London and she mentors and helps people who come to the university. She helps autistic people kind of adjust and things. So, so I just think that's amazing. I also like the fact that, we, do we have so, so many neurodivergent writers? So it was really good for me. I really enjoyed reading from the point of view of a neurodivergent writer. So I really like that. Absolutely. Also really liked the, the All the Witch 
uh, the witch trial stuff. Uh, so I've been reading <laughs> a lot of things about witch trials. Like I was reading the Manning Tree Witches. So I'm currently fascinated by witches and what happened. I really enjoyed that. Oh, so it overlaps bit, yeah. with what you're on. <laughs> yeah, it's, so, it's great anyway. to read a bit more about it. And also the fact, I always come back to this, but it's, it's set in Edinburgh. So I always just, I just love a Scottish book. I'm like, because I can picture it. So some of the places she mentioned, I was like, oh, I think I've heard of that place before. I quite like that. But it's still quite unusual, I think, to mm-hmm. read books, certainly books written for children, young yeah. people that are set roughly in this neck of the woods, yeah. which I think is really good. But, you know, you're right. And I've, I've heard this author talk before and Elle said how important it is to write stories that have diverse characters yep. in them but the story isn't about uh-huh. what makes them different Yeah, because there are other two books so she's got a, so a kind of uh, spark they're all standalone ones um, and this one's sort of kind of contemporary but it also looks at the, the past she's got a second book Shows Who You Are mm-hmm. and that's more science fiction mm-hmm. and it's about holograms based mm-hmm. on people's social media yeah. presence and her third book which I've not read it came out just a, a month or two ago is called Like a Charm mm-hmm. and I think I can't remember the genre but it's again very different from the, the previous ones I'm going to be buying in yeah. any books that she writes for the <laughs> well, library I think as I said before um, she actually popped up in my Audible recommendation so I was like ah oh, I'm going to buy this <laughs> so I'm going to listen to some on Audible I think this time but yeah I, I love that this also this is her debut novel I was like oh this is so much potential here I can't I can't wait to see what else she does so I think I might delve into the science fiction one next I think I feel that's that sounds like a good way to go so this book we have it in the library yet actually I have the copy just now I will return it so people can have it <laughs> We do, this is one of the books we've got multiple copies oh, of. Right. So we've got quite a few people who come into the library and they like to read the same thing mm-hmm. as their friends reading. Um, so this is one that I, can, oh. I would flag up for that as well. So available in the library just now. Definitely worth a read. As always, it's time for What You Reading. So what you reading? <laughs> I am reading a book that you recommended, Mrs. McCarthy. Ah, um, nice. A book called The Binding <gasps> by Bridget Collins. Yes. <laughs> um, so you recommended it to me last week and I thought I'm going to get that. So yep. I went to my local library on uh, Sunday and I got it and I'm only about three chapters in but I can already tell I'm really going to like oh, this book. So good. It's, you know, it's got uh, magical aspects. Yep. Um, it's about books so of course it's, it's going to appeal to me and I just, I like the, the sort of master apprentice style of mm-hmm. it and it seems to be about not just about book binding, but that you can bind secrets within yep. books. And there's a sense of mystery about why our main character is involved with it and what's happened in the run-up to the book starting. So I've I'm, I'm only read three chapters, but I, I kept thinking today about how I could get books so I could read more of it. <laughs> it's so good. The twists and turns you will encounter. Yeah, oh. it's so good. I read it, I think, maybe in three days or something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah, I just couldn't put it down. It's so, so good. I'll give you my verdict the next time we Please record. Please do. I <laughs> Please do. As for me, I am reading, I'm currently reading a book, so it's called The Salt Path by Rainer Wynn. Mm-hmm. It's autobiographical. Basically, Rainer and her husband had a farm and they lived on this farm for years. Um, something happened where they invested money into some company, the company went bust, and then they ended up owing money for various reasons they lost they, they had to go to court they lost the court case they had loads of legal fees so they ended up having to sell their their farm the land everything they're essentially homeless so they weren't really sure what to do so they decided to walk walk the salt path in england and it's basically the the southern coast of england so you walk from the sort of the border of wales down to land's end down to i think is it i can't remember the place minehead no Minehand or pool, one of the two. It's really, really good. I love hiking. I like reading about other people hiking, but it's just the fact that they had nothing. So they were like, well, we might as well just go and do this until we figure out what we need to do. And it's it's really heartbreaking. And amongst all this, uh, she also finds out that her husband has a terminal illness as well. 
So it's really, really, really emotional, but really good. And she's such an interesting person. They're an interesting couple. So I, I can't wait to see how this ends, but very, very good. Oh, wow. And was that something that had been recommended to you? Yeah, it was actually my mother-in-law recommended it to me. I've had it for ages, but I decided, obviously, I had COVID over the, over the holidays, oh. so I read everything, so I started reading this, and I, I can't put it down. What about watching? What are you watching? I am watching the same thing that I was watching last month, so I think I was quite, not dismissive, but I think I was a bit lukewarm. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm enjoying it and stuff, and anyway, I've raced through <laughs> the rest of it. It turns out that it's finishing in the next few <gasps> weeks, that this programme, this mm-hmm. is us. I said last time it's about a family, and it kind of flashes back mm-hmm. and it flashes forward, but I've watched something like 99 episodes. <laughs> And um, they're finishing, like the the whole thing is finishing within the next six episodes. But but I'm now at the stage where they're releasing one a week. So I've had to go from... Oh, so you have to wait? No. I know, know, I'm watching a lot to go old school and just waiting for the episode to to come out every week. So it's going to be a long six weeks. How did we cope before streaming? Like, I always think that, like, how did we cope? Or do you remember when, you know, you you had to tape it because you were out and someone someone recorded over it? Oh, the the trauma, the Mm -hmm. trauma from, yeah. I know, no streaming then, unfortunately. What are you watching just now? So currently I'm watching Moon Knight on Disney+. Plus. Actually, it's a Marvel comic. It's next in the Marvel universe. I hadn't heard of it before um, although I'm nowhere near on the levels actually actually, I'm not even going to make this comparison because I'm nowhere near Mr Stone he's like expert on comics but I vaguely dabble in comics but I hadn't heard of Moon Knight before really interesting character um I, I don't I don't really know what to say about it because it was only we're only three episodes in we're still kind of learning a bit about the characters but the thing that I love the most about it is that um, a lot of it's based in ancient Egypt mythology so you have all the gods the, the ancient Egyptian gods and things like that so it all relates to that which I really like it's definitely worth worth a watch I'm intrigued to see where it's going to go I, I've not started watching it but it seems to be the one that a lot of people who are Marvel fans have not come mm-hmm. across before so I wonder yeah. it's, um, how many episodes are there I think the fourth one was released today it's been released today actually so I've only seen the first, first three but I really like the characters so, so far it's, it's kind of confusing the main character is played by Oscar Isaac who I love because he's in Star Wars and he's excellent he's also in June I've watched June over the holidays oh. amazing but that's another <laughs> discussion anyway so he plays the main character Steve but Steve is also there's someone else kind of trapped in Steve who's American it's all very confusing well, but it's worth a watch. <laughs> it's good. It's definitely good. Oh, well, do you know, while I'm waiting for my next episodes to drop, maybe I'll, maybe will. I'll check yeah. that one out. <laughs> Sounds good. And that's it for this episode of Book Blether Fact, Fiction and Fabulousness. We really hope you've enjoyed it. And until next month, keep sharing stories. Keep sharing stories.